passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the eighteen that makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello and welcome to Rewind a Raw. It's John Pollock and Waiting. Your one-two punch coming out of three hours of Raw. A huge edition of the show. Oh, one of the biggest, I would yes. say. Yeah. Wait, what was your favorite disqualification tonight? Uh, you know, when Edge uh, speared um, Balor to interrupt, that was pretty monumental. Never seen that. Uh, when Becky Lynch stepped away from commentary and interrupted the match in the main event. We got all of them. We had a short-changed main event. We had uh, a long title match w- with a DQ as well. Of course, yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, how else are you going to drive interest into, I don't know, uh, the next thing? <laughs> do, do you want to know course. that tonight, WWE did more DQ finishes tonight than the history of Dynamite and Rampage? Mm-hmm. They have done two. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, that's... I mean, there are different ways of uh, uh, building to professional wrestling uh, grudge matches, and one company has one way, and another has another ph- philosophy. Yes, it's a it's an interesting note. I got a lot of feedback today after you know, every every month. Way we chat about these WWE pay per views, and you and I usually always say the same thing: that if you just go from pay per view to pay per view, this is the optimal viewing experience, and. When I wrote about it today, I got a lot of feedback from people that, I mean, I got no disagreement from this, that if you had watched WrestleMania this year, those were very positively reviewed shows. If you had come out of those two shows and your next experience watching WWE was last night's show, I think you would have said, Wrestling's great. I love the WWE. It's It's a monthly commitment where I have time to look forward to a show where it's wrestling night that I'm going to sit down and watch WWE. I'm going to get a pretty satisfactory episode. And what's the investment after? I get a four-week break and I come back for another one of these next month. Maybe I get together with some friends. Maybe I follow the industry from a periphery standpoint, just listening to shows or reading stuff. Maybe I totally disengage. It's like... Uh, many UFC fans, I imagine, where you don't need that week-to-week commitment. Maybe you're just following the pay-per-views every month. And I think that would be, to me, actually a selling feature if I was looking to grow my WWE audience is you don't have to necessarily have the commitment of weekly television. But on the other hot side of things, that's it's never been more profitable. This television, that seems to be, if you're just looking from a, from a creative standpoint... 
it's the least engaging it's ever been. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, that's what the model of professional wrestling always was. And I mean, still continues to be outside of television, right? It's maybe a monthly event that you might demand people's attention for. Um, I I would maybe contend that it might be the optimal viewing, but I mean, it's 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 a very different ecosystem we're in, and a very different set of numbers that we're dealing with. Where essentially, I think what is supposed to be your commercial for those monthly events are really your prime generator of income. So um, it's just I wish that the same amount of effort was put into these weekly shows to make them as entertaining as they typically are on the the pay per view weekends, um, and I. Don't for a fact, or don't for a second, think that that's not possible. What makes the the pay per view so good is that the wrestling is good because you have some very talented professional wrestlers there, and also because they they go ahead and give you finishes, not DQs, not you know just kind of bullshit things. They give you satisfying things, and that's that's really what AEW's philosophy is. I mean, and I don't want to just turn this into a comparison, but what I'm trying I'm trying to say is that. When you just give me good professional wrestling, I think these three hours could actually be, you know, decently watchable, if not even very good. Instead, it's just kind of mindless repeats of matches, uh, poorly acted backstage promos, um, and non-finishes, even to what, you know, looks to be actually pretty decent matches in the body. If you if you could just wave your magic wand, like one... I'm not going to say like just like uproot the show and and some grandiose change like oh all the all the storylines make sense like a, a reasonable change that could be just one thing about the WWE television presentation that you think would go a long way just um like one thing that they could do away with that would be sizable um I I go directly to promos I think that is one thing that if you could eliminate the WWE speak and have a lot more natural promos. God forbid they go past their time cues. I just think having these promos that were real people talking about real scenarios and real stories, it, I think that would go a long way in terms of a change you could make tomorrow. And I think it would pay dividends for the viewer at home that is watching every week that would be more engaged. Possibly. Um, but you know, that, I mean, that itself is a test, though, because how many how many people on this roster have that experience, um, not having that safety net of a script? Wait, you know, we look it. at it from the in ring standpoint. How many are not prepared, and we're throwing them out there into the deep end to learn on the job? I think talking should be a requisite for this job, and I'm fine with people going out there that some will fail, but some will absolutely thrive in that kind of a scenario, and I think that would make a big difference just in terms of being engaged in some of these programs that are grounded a bit more in reality, that these people are speaking as themselves instead of these ridiculous caricatures of human beings that I could never possibly encounter in a daily basis going into somebody who is telling me their list of championship wins and each and every one of you. And if you live in Hartford, you're ugly. Um, I just think like more, Promos would be just, I'm not saying that changes the game, but that would be right from the start, something that there would be an immediate impact on. It's one of many things um, that, that I think you, you could put to, yeah, it might be one of the principal things, but I don't, you know, there, there, there are many prob- probably issues that um, are keeping this show from keeping, from, from being an entertaining three hours. But I would say the other thing is that, I mean, they, they're still winning their nights. You know, or at least they're still coming very close, and they're still doing very well for the broadcaster. So, 
when you still have those results, I mean, they, they don't have much reason to change. They don't. They're they're in a, a position where I think you look just at the the overall popularity. Is this is this growing? No, but they're also at a level where this is this is very a, a very successful formula that they are producing. I just look at it that I don't see this as something that uh, would necessarily be a negative uh, to them a, at all. That like the idea of engaging programming. Are we looking at anybody that is looking at? There's no guarantee that it would be engaging. And I mean, from their perspective, again, I'm just trying to say what they might be thinking. They want something that they can rely on that's this timed, you know, that they know maybe these particular camera shots are are there for. They they, they don't seem to want things that are unpredictable, I suppose, at least, you know, for people that they don't necessarily trust. Anyway, that's you want to spend the whole show maybe talking about how uh, I would love to. our problems with maybe this program um well we'll probably get to it anyway well we uh we have three hours to get into uh but off the top i just want to quickly go over the schedule this week at post wrestling uh, already up on the site today a special edition of mcu later where yourself and wh park got together with john Cena for a spoiler heavy review of dr strange in the multiverse of madness that the mm-hmm. three of you have seen yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been holding my thoughts in all weekend long um, because I had a lot of them because it's it was pretty interesting. You know, this is a very hyped movie. And when it came out, um, it seems like a lot of people saw it, John. I mean, it is at this point the 11th highest grossing opening domestically of all time. Um, so a lot of people ended up seeing this and a lot of people had a lot of varied opinions for a Marvel film. Typically, those films are usually pretty well received. This one was really a strange, an interesting mix across the board. So You were going to uh, say strange mix. I was about to, yes. Uh, but yeah, so um, I, me, WH Park, John Tino, we've been really hyped to see this. And we have some very passionate thoughts as we break down everything that there is, including all the reveals, including all the storylines and uh, future development. So if you're a Post Wrestling Cafe patron and you like the MCU, go and check these out. Uh, PostWrestlingCafe.com. Yes. It contains spoilers, you said? I think so. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We want to make that that clear for everyone out there that uh, might mistakenly download this and listen to the whole thing and then be upset after. I'm a little annoyed that you told me ahead of time there's spoilers because I would have liked to have found that out for myself. <laughs> but you ruined that. Uh, also coming up uh, this week, we will be back with the Post Daily News Show Tuesday at 1 Eastern, uh, Tuesday through Friday this week. Uh, Wednesday, we've got Rewind to Dynamite with Shot in the Dark. Thursday, it is Martin Bushby, Benno, and Andy Ogden together for the British Wrestling Experience. You can subscribe to their own feed as they go through all the latest uh, UK wrestling news. And then we've got Rewind to SmackDown Friday, which I guess will be starting at 10 because we have SmackDown in its normal time. Rampage, early start time, which as of Monday night, we don't know when that start time is. Not good. Not good, yeah. Um, I don't expect those ratings to bounce back after this past Friday, unfortunately. Oh, we'll go through the numbers on Tuesday uh, as expected. They got obliterated on Friday and probably going to be the case this Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on when this show starts, I, I will do my best to watch Rampage, but I don't even know when it's going to be airing on, on Friday, so we shall see. And then uh, rounding out the week, Saturday, WH Park will be joined by Benno for the long and winding Royal Road chatting Stan Hansen and Vader. Long before Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins had an eye-for-an-eye match, uh, these two competed at the Tokyo Dome in February of 1990, where Vader 
pretty much lost an eye. This is one of the more gruesome matches in, uh, in history. Uh, so they will be chatting about that on Saturday. And then Sunday, it is WrestleNomics Day. Every Sunday at postwrestling.com. A packed lineup as always. As always, everybody working hard, including yourself, Andrew Thompson, and all our contributors on the website as well. So uh, thanks to all of us, uh, all of you guys who are checking all that work out. Yes, and uh, quickly, you can go back uh, to this weekend. We have post shows from UFC 274 and WrestleMania Backlash. If you want to hear, uh, for, for, for the, the you guys are so negative crowd, uh, go listen to our WrestleMania Backlash review to even everything out. Uh, but into Raw, from the XL Center in Hartford, Connecticut. RK Bro came out to start the show, and they're going to be facing the Street Profits tonight. Another very pro-Randy crowd, and they stated they lost the battle at Backlash, but will win the war, and Randy revisits the idea of a unification match and wanting to unify the title. So it looks like, uh, at least teasing, uh, going back to that, that idea. Yeah, it seems like it. Um, I suppose they, you know, this is something, of course, they could have done um, last night, but, you know, maybe the the want to involve Roman and Drew into it uh, caused them to change their plans. And uh, looks like maybe on TV we might end up getting this unification, or do you think they uh, put it all the way until uh, Hell in a Cell? I could see it at Hell in a Cell because you have to wonder what is what is going to be at, at Hell in a Cell when, you know, maybe you're Maybe no Roman, are you saying? I mean, it's... We, we don't have a program for Roman, so maybe we'll get a sense on, on Friday about what they're doing with Roman. They tease that Roman will be there. Well, they, they flat out said that um, RK-Bro is going to go to SmackDown to ask Roman Reigns for permission uh, for the <laughs> Usos to face them because they know that Roman calls the shots. So I would say if we don't get an angle shot with, with Roman Reigns, yeah, then it's it's possible like Hell in a Cell. You don't have Charlotte Flair around. Um, Roman's a question mark. And then... You know, what are your big matches going to be for Hell in a Cell? The unification might be one of those matches. Hmm. And when, do, you, do you think they put it in the cell, that match? Yeah, I could see it. Like, it, it, that's the one thing. I guess other than Cody and Seth, I don't really see a Hell in a Cell program ready. Um, hmm. th- so may- maybe Cody and Seth is your big match at Hell in a Cell. And the title unification, maybe that's that's your one, too. Possible. Maybe. So they, they go over that and the plans for SmackDown and then the Street Profits interrupt and they're going to be the ones to unify the tag titles they stay state. And they want the smoke, which was a layup for Riddle to give his response that RK Bro 420 says, we just smoked your ass. And I swear to God, I looked at my calendar and it did not say 1997. And uh, Randy Orton did not get that memo because he thought this was the most clever thing ever uttered on WWE television. I suppose it was um, um, somewhat uh, groundbreaking. This is pretty daring. Yeah. I mean, it, making pot references. It more so kind of like, you know, set the timestamp on where the mentality of this show is versus where maybe the the zeitgeist was, uh, you know, what, 25 years ago. Yeah, well, there you go. RK Bro and the Street Profits for the Raw Tag Titles. Uh, Riddle goes to the floor and... Ford hits a Topecon hero and then does the Orton pose. Uh, we go to break, come back, heat on Riddle. Orton gets the tag, power slams to both guys, draping DDT. And then Riddle hits a PK and floating bro to the floor, but misses his target and takes out Randy. And 
in the ring. Ford hits from the heavens, but Randy returns, saving his partner. And then another from the heavens attempt leads to an RKO in midair by Riddle, pinning Ford in 10 minutes and 10 seconds. So a title uh, retention by RK Bro, but also like our first kind of miscommunication spot with Riddle and Orton that uh, was the the prime focus of this match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wonder if that thread continues, you know, throughout their future tag team appearances. But I mean, it's it's by the end of this match, it seemed like everything was was still perfectly good between the two. Perhaps it was just a spot designed for this particular instance. It did so, set up a great near fall spot where Randy mm-hmm. makes the save, but also something that you can just bank in in the back of. You know, something that will either be never referenced again or will be something to look back on. Mm-hmm. Great little TV match here. Um, great pacing and great pressure from the beginning to the end from the Street Profits. And a brilliant finish here from Riddle and Ford with that RK bro, RKO out of nowhere. Uh, this is a tag team that continues to be on fire. So um, what about the Street Profits? What do you see for them coming off of this? I mean, they kind of just feel like a... Like when you're not, and this goes for the women's tag division as well. When you're not in the championship picture, um, then you're not really focused on, and that's sort of where the street profits are. Like Alpha Academy is kind of involved by being attached to Kevin Owens, but the street profits don't have a whole lot going, and they've just after the one win over RK Bro before WrestleMania, they've they've lost several, and I mean well, they haven't really pulled the tur- the turn yet that that could give them kind of a, a new direction. They seem to be further hinting at that, but haven't gone all the way yet well pa- being paired against rk bro which you know are definitely the the more over tag team they've definitely been position positioning themselves more as like the the lesser favorites um but i i wonder if at this point you have any more direction other d- direction to go with them um they need freshening up in my opinion uh, and maybe he'll turn is the way to go how they kind of you know fi- uh, have that going on at the same time while they're continuing to recognize montez ford and bianca belair being together Maybe that might be a challenge. I don't know. But I would be more interested in the profits if they were turned at this point. Then, after Riddle took us back to 1997, Kevin Patrick took us back to 1990 because we were on the interview platform that used to be a staple of uh, Mm -hmm. WWF programming to bring out theory. Uh, So I like the visual of this. It was uh, quite the throwback and and a different look as well for an interview segment on, on WWE. So, yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, to me, this is a WWE staple shot. You know, it's probably a Kevin Dunn um, signature and something that I always felt like it was a something that symbolized the, the TV show I, I was watching. And I guess WCW did it too, but to me, I always associate it with WWF and I, I don't mind them bringing it back at all. So he says that he is barely scratching his potential. He was in diapers the last time Cody was in WWE. The last time they so, might have used this shot, I don't. I theory must have been two years old. Or I I don't know if like theory was like ever properly potty trained because he would have been wearing diapers like six years ago. Like that's <laughs> that's a really advanced age for diapers. Uh, you know, certain people have certain issues. Um, we shouldn't shame. And he doesn't care about Cody or respecting history. He is the future. Simple promo, not not a whole lot to it, other than the the production choice. Mm-hmm. Judgment Day comes out. Edge has cut his hair. Somewhere yeah. along, somewhere along the on, along the way, mainly in WWE, like the idea of cutting someone's hair just is like nothing. I always look at it like I always think like what a lost opportunity just to uh, 
cut a guy's hair. Like, let's let's get some like value out of such a such a decision that this man is making. I I always feel that way. You know, anytime like if you if you're a wrestler and you're going to the barbershop and you're like, hey, give me that haircut. I imagine like what what remains on the floor is just a pile of money that somebody's about to just sweep into a bag because um, it's it it would have added something to the match last night, don't you think? Between Edge and AJ, I mean, the stipulation would have come out of nowhere. It wouldn't really have fit the story whatsoever. But um, I always you know liked- what didn't fit the story at all was Edge going to the barber this morning when no one was around and doing this. Like at the very least, Edge coming out and cutting a promo about. The edge you loved is dead, and you're never getting him back. And having Damian Priest cut his hair right there in the ring to shed himself of the edge that I am sickened by because of you people. And he just cuts his hair. That would have been like a like a stunning moment for this audience to see edge that everyone associates with this hair. Cut it right there in the ring. Yeah, maybe he just had a feeling. You know, he woke up today and was like, maybe he got gum in it overnight and just like, you know what? Chop it off. Done. He looks good. He's 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 a, he's a good looking man. No matter uh, length of hair, he can he can rock multiple cuts. I, I he kind of got he's kind of got Rhea Ripley's haircut, didn't he? Yeah, Damien's next, so look yeah. out. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be doing it off camera as well. Um, I'm sure I'm sure some camera was he had to have filmed this, right? Maybe yeah, if, maybe for his TikTok or something. Edge says that the three of them were tired of being sheep, like you people. What did that get us? Or what did that get him? He says, a Hall of Fame ring. Big deal. <laughs> I'm bigger than the Hall of Fame. <laughs> he could have listed off like all the accolades here, like uh, like typical here. It's got, got him quite a lot, to be quite honest. Like he's done okay. Sure, yeah. Being I mean, a sheep. The Hall of Fame is the biggest one, maybe. He says, no one cares about all the surgeries I've had, but you all love to make your comments, you keyboard warriors, and your asinine comments. You fans are ugly, and they love, the three of them, what we see in the mirror. And if you live here in Hartford, you're a moron. He called them ugly morons. I mean, this was just beyond, beyond the pale here. Um, I will say this. This is like the like, most, like, introductory heel like promo work. But it's also stuff like all these fans boo and stuff. And it's almost like I feel Edge wants to be maybe a more sophisticated heel. But it's like it's the most baseline stuff that seems to get the most response from these audiences at the same time. Like I find this to be like very uninspired promo work. But it's also like the crowd boos because you called us ugly. You know, maybe coming off of the reaction to their psychology psychology heavy match last night, not getting that big of a reaction. Maybe today he's just like, he's just like I'm gonna go back to one oh one, you know, and bring it back to the base. Maybe maybe uh, they feel they're 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 overthinking the what yeah. what is that, what the audience wants out of this. I I don't know. Maybe. It's but like I can't I can like I'm conflicted saying like I I'm not enjoying these promos, but I'm also noting these lines that I think are cringe are not cringe to the audience that you are getting the the it's the the only parts of the promos that are heavily booed. I, I I would contend that I think there's a way that you can achieve both. You can achieve something that you know insults the crowd that reacts to the you know generic kind of heel lines, while also being a bit more um, unique and, and be, being a bit more memorable, so that 
um, maybe everybody watching, the more experienced viewer, the lesser experienced viewer, can find some enjoyment out of it. You can't tell me that, like, you know, like, a great heel promo coming out here. Um, you know, what's your favorite heel promo from the past? Um, oh, this was it. This was the top one. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> fine. Set the bar. <laughs> I was uh, just waiting for a Hartford Whalers reference. I was left... Well, uh, like, whatever. Like, Roddy Piper. Like, you can't tell me him coming out here and, like, you know, cutting a promo on the crowd won't get this crowd to react while also getting all the people who've watched wrestling forever to react as well. Um and I think ultimately that's somebody that's a that's a level of excellence that I would imagine somebody like Edge is is looking to strive towards. To me, he's still trying to figure this character out. What he was playing before was very much an exaggeration of himself. This does not feel like that. It feels like it's a total kind of uh, fabricated type of a uh, you know alternate version of him. But it can work. It it still to me still on its way. Um, so I will say like, I think Rhea being a part of the group is at least a step towards, um, I think making them feel that much more unique. It gives them some youth. Uh, it, it adds, you know, like now the women's sort of, uh, roster that for them to conquer as well. So, um, it's an improvement, I think. Priest referred to Rhea as their instrument of brutality and demands that the fans rise up for Rhea Ripley. And Rhea takes the microphone and says this was the easiest decision of her life. Edge and Damien have changed themselves for the better, and she wanted it for herself. She is done signing your autographs at the airport, the same autographs I see the next day on eBay, and I am done being used. And addresses Liv Morgan will destroy her tonight. And Edge refers to Damien as the punishment and Rhea as the eradicator. And they are Edge's saints of fate. And Liv was holding down Rhea Ripley, so Edge had a conversation with Rhea a few weeks ago and told her to just dump her. And his movement is not done. We are not finished yet. We are looking for more. And that's when Liv Morgan comes out for the match. Those nicknames like remind me of um, Retribution. You know, Are we sure this is not like a... The punishment, the eradicator, yeah. the sa- the fa- the saints of fate. So they are looking for more members. They say they're recruiting. Yes, they're expanding. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I like them giving like Edge the credit for the breakup of Liv Morgan versus Rhea Ripley. Sure, it works for the match. Uh, yeah, I mean it. It gave a reason. So yeah, we'll we'll see where the, this goes. I think this is this is a group that it's it's very much trying to to find its footing and and maybe maybe they will. I would have faith that in time, like edge leading this thing, it's it's going to kind of find its direction, but I, I still think it's it's searching for it. Mm-hmm. Ripley and Liv Morgan had a match where uh, Liv got destroyed for most of this. Liv apply or it gets a, uh, put in a body scissors and she's screaming and just yells, "I hate you." You imagine what a what do you do with that if you got someone in like a submission and they're like I hate you. you ever see a UFC fight where like you know somebody was caught in a oh man Kimura and they're like imagine Carlos Barza yelled that that might have like got Rose <laughs> Namajunas to really just let loose. So Liv stops a riptide and finally fights back. It's the double knees off the middle rope for a two count and then there's a, a kick off the mat. Liv misses a missile drop kick and an inverted cloverleaf. Rhea's submission is applied and. Taps her out in five minutes and 39 seconds. And Edge gives the nod to continue the attack. So she reapplies it just like Veer Mahan. And she taps but won't release it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
what was this like? You know, one of the two matches we actually got a finish to on this entire show. It was uh, this. This was a clean finish that we got. So, so I mean, that already puts it in the top percentile of of uh, matches uh, that I saw tonight. But I thought it was a good little match between between the two. I think Morgan continues to improve and and work. She works hard. Um, I do have some concern for her, of course, coming off of this though, because this did not feel like this feud was continuing beyond this. Um, no, no, this was match one. Way. <laughs> I had many questions left unanswered by the end of this, so I, I think they'll run this one back multiple times. Uh, maybe, but if they don't, I mean, my concern would just be that, you know, she kind of felt like somebody... I mean, obviously, Rhea Ripley is the person who just turned. Um, she's the person with the more potential coming out of this, so you should be focusing on her. But I felt like they would have given Morgan maybe a bit more of a heroic outcome or heroic fight because this to me kind of gives me the indication that she is expendable and um, somebody who's very far from future title contention. Yeah. This does feel like uh, Ripley's character has gotten on the elevator and is leaving Liv Morgan behind in sort of the Liv Morgan role on the show, yeah. for lack of a better term, the eradicator elevator, the eradicator elevator. Maybe that can be the name of the submission that they've never named. Uh, Finn Balor comes out, followed by AJ. They do the two sweet deal, and Damian Priest takes on Finn Balor. So Balor uh, does a roll up to counter the choke slam and hits a sling blade, clotheslines him to the floor, and then goes for a topic on Hero. But Rhea Ripley stands in front to block Balor, allowing Edge to spear him for the disqualification. And Styles jumps in, attacking Edge with his injured shoulder. Priest gets involved, and AJ is firing away, turns around, and goes to punch, but it's Rhea Ripley, and AJ can't hit a woman. So he pauses, and Edge sends AJ's injured shoulder into the post, and Priest and Edge do a spear-leg-sweep combination, like a high-low, and they stand tall and do their pose, which is putting their arms in the air. Mm Mm-hmm. Should they, should they do something more interesting? They okay. should put their arms out uh, horizontally like the scales of justice, and they can just, like, that, <laughs> they do this in unison. That should be the Judgment Day pose. <laughs> they can lock, like, they can clasp their fingers together, and they can just go with, like, the scales of justice. That's the pose I want. I was going to suggest, like, maybe, like, one of them does a J, and the other does a D. Like the YMCA. <laughs> Ugh. You could do the JAS for the uh, the group that uh, they're oh, going to yeah. get compared to. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> they're putting a lot. You can see we're we're thrilled about this direction for this group. No, seriously, it's 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 whatever. It's a stable, um, and they're putting focus on Ripley. It's a renewed push. So, sure, some renewed strength from the group. Do you think AJ and Balor are going to add a female to their little faction here? Oh, Liv, right? Okay. So we've, Is we've she got going to be Bullet Club. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, maybe. Yes. Yeah, Live. Uh, yes, I don't know. Maybe they can come up with hmm. some some catchy name for the three of them. Uh, but yeah, I, I assume this this all continues. And I guess the tease that like Judgment Day will continue to grow. Yes. Yes. Alpha Academy is with Kevin Owens, who is in his Dusty Road shirt, and Gable got the red cup from last week's segment that Ezekiel was drinking from and has sent it to the DNA lab. And he's going to be able to prove that Ezekiel has been lying all this time. So they didn't put a lot of focus on this, but I guess we're getting a DNA test result next week. Yes, we are. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. This is some long-term build here. You know, you're coming off of the, the cup segment from last week to this, and then next week getting the results here. So, 
Uh, I, I think it's interesting. Owens mentions that he has a huge guest on the Kevin Owens show tonight. Uh, his brother, Ken Owens, is going to be here. He is the winner of a prestigious tournament, uh, the, the Grand Prix in Nova Scotia, which was as close as we'll get to an Emile Dupree reference on Raw. And his older brother is going to come and beat the truth out of Ezekiel. Nine times out of ten, I would groan at this setup. With Kevin Owens, I was, I was greatly looking forward to this as Ken Owens. Me too. Yes. I think the three of them are very fun together. The, love, these like three, the three are really great together. I mean, it's mainly the interplay between Owens and Gable, who it's like, it's mm-hmm. like this, like Owens, like cannot stand this guy, but at the same time, he is of value to this cause that he is fighting uh, with Ezekiel. They have great chemistry together. MVP lounge with MVP and Omos. MVP says that Lashley's ego got too big going into WrestleMania without him. So then the music plays, and that music sounded familiar. And yes, it was a 205 Live original Cedric Alexander coming out, celebrating, we did it. And he says that the, together, the three of them can be unstoppable. MVP cuts him off, says, I like you, but you need to stop. Lashley comes out and uh, just destroys security. Uh, this was uh, like he was playing Wardlow here. And he catches Cedric Alexander off the apron, destroys him, and then stands up to Omos in the ring and clotheslines Omos to the floor. And he is left with MVP when Cedric returns, allowing MVP a way out. And then Alexander is caught in the, the hurt lock as MVP and Omos leave Cedric Alexander for dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this feud continues, building to what seems to be a, a rubber match and... Um, Cedric Alexander continuing to, you know, be a part of it. Just sort of the jester of the whole thing, taking a beating on behalf of Omos, who doesn't even want him in the group. <laughs> um, I'm glad he's got a role. I'm glad, you know, still keeping the Cruiserweight Classic alive. I mean, the Cruiserweight Classic, really a goldmine for comedic talent, I would say, uh, on modern day WWE. Yes. Like Gulak, you know, the, the 24-7 division. Yes. This elevation of Mustafa Ali, that's been comical. Yes. It's uh, right. Lots. Adam Pierce is with Sonia Deville and she wants to know who she's facing tonight, but then doesn't care. So she walks off. And then they did something interesting here is that throughout the second hour, they kept promoting Theory and Cody Rhodes will have their U.S. title match at 10 p.m. Eastern time, really drilling in uh, the time uh, to obviously keep people for that third hour and hopefully offset uh, that usual drop that they have. I don't think it'll be successful, but they were at least this was a clear uh, attempt to do so. Well, is there a specific competition at 10 o'clock that they're trying to contend against? I mean, they, they had, you know, usual um, like the NBA and stuff tonight. I don't think anything specific was starting um, at 10. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was probably just to you know keep people for that third hour. It's just uh, it's very hard for them to, uh, to do mm-hmm. that. But. If if it, if it works, we we will see. We'll see. It, I think I think doing it is better than not doing it, right? There was that period where remember they did the countdown, the like the actual countdown <laughs> yeah. clock. We tried a lot of stupid shit. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I remember all that. Like even like the underground was like, didn't they build build up to that in like the third hour or something? Yeah, I mean they, they kind of go in these waves when like they really try to hold on to like that audience for the third hour. I mean, it's just, this is the pattern of like an audience that pretty much they will tune in. They will watch two hours and then a a large segment of them are done by hour three. And that's for for a billion dollar company. Like I, I kind of admire how like, you know, (laughs) um, 
improvisational they are with these sort of like broadcast experiments it's like oh you have an idea this week let's just throw it out there and try it a raw underground okay sure yeah. <laughs> explain this wild card concept to us yeah. you, you know what don't explain it just go ahead so Sonia Deville comes out and Pierce says the investigation is over. She has abused her power over and over. Her contract as an official has been terminated. But you're still a WWE superstar. And uh, Sonia then got on the microphone and said, no, 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 no. I lost a loser leaves WWE match at SummerSlam in 2020. I, I am not a WWE superstar. What about that? And uh, Pierce gave, uh, he filled in the hole. All of it made sense. And she is back. She is a WWE superstar. Mm. Yes, she is. Yeah. So the, the official end of Sonya Deville is a, a general manager, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And we will see, do you see someone filling in that role? Do we just get Adam Pierce? Like I always like to refresh these every, every, every so often. I think if there's a talent that's just kind of sitting by the wayside, not doing anything, who could speak, who thinks, who they think could fill the role, then yeah. Is there that talent, though? Uh, who are they going to make? Aaliyah a GM? Like, <laughs> who's just sitting there that kind of needs a role? Who, who's R- Rick wrestling? Boogs. Rick Boogs. Boogs? Okay. That's not... <laughs> I think it's a terrible idea, but <laughs> I mean, maybe not. Maybe it would work. Yeah. So the opponent is Alexa Bliss, her first appearance on camera since uh, Elimination Chamber back in February. And she comes out with Lily and gets a welcome back chant and hits a DDT and Twisted Bliss and wins in 41 seconds as DeVille just has a meltdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, probably the biggest news coming out of this show. Um, you, you know, big enough for, for, to see uh, uh, for a postwrestling.com post for it. That's so, that's how you know if there's news happening on Raw. If if it's worthy uh, of Andrew writing a story about it, it's newsworthy. Yes, yes. Shout out Andrew Thompson. Yes. Uh, yeah. Good, surprising, and impactful return. I would say uh, everybody seems to be happy to see her back in the mix. You know, the men match wasn't much, but I mean, it was just more about the return. That's all. So she still has her doll. Still um, got to sell those dolls. Yeah. So I mean, was this? Did she come back with looking like this last time, or, or did she have like the whole makeup? She did the whole makeup thing, right? I thought the Chamber? whole th- I thought the whole thing was that how how did the therapy session end where it was like a replica of the looking doll no- looking like normal and then they were saying like yeah I'm I'm gonna give you this replica of the doll as a memory yes to contain your memories I guess so yeah this is consistent then with that return in February totally yeah okay so she so we're done with the gimmick she still has the doll um to remind us. And to remind herself of... To go to WWEshop.com because, you know, they, they had a good quarter, so... Okay, all right. So, yeah, I, so I'm looking at the chamber, photos from the chamber. So she came out that in that match still looking, like, still with the pigtails, but without the full-on makeup. Now she's just kind of back to full-on, like, pre-fiend Alexa Bliss. Uh, yes, that's what it looks like as I look here. Um, yes. Okay. I have, right. I, I have very little memories of this elimination chamber match, but uh, nonetheless, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where where they go uh, with. Maybe her. she could transform partway through the match. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. You could do. You could do that. Okay, I, I pulled this up here. Uh, Bliss came out. She did not have Lily in the chamber when she came out. Okay, interesting. So this felt like the more appropriate follow up to those vignettes. Yes, yeah, because I I seem to recall that's how the therapy ended with. The replica. Yeah, it did, yeah. I, I look forward to any corrections if I if I am not remembering the therapy sessions as in-depth as I know everyone out there did. Ezekiel 
comes out in the ring for the segment, and Kevin Owens is out in a wig as Kent Owens, his older brother. And he says right off the bat he's trying to prove a point. And he asks everyone for a show of hands who believes this is really Ezekiel, and they cut to, like, two guys who put their arms up. And he yells at the audience for being dumb. He hates liars and reveals, I'm Kevin. (laughs) And then Owens attacks him. Alpha Academy run down to join in. And no one comes to poor Ezekiel's help. And he gets splashed by Otis and hit with a stunner by Kevin Owens. Slash Ken. Yeah. um, Well, I mean, who's really a friend of this guy? I don't know. But at the end of this segment, this was my conclusion. I really wish Kevin Owens had a brother because I think they would be the most entertaining tag team, especially if it was like a non like his brother didn't follow any wrestling beyond like the odd thing his brother has done and came on to the show as a character. That's totally out of this this universe. Are we sure he doesn't have a brother? uh, He does not have a brother. No. Oh, okay. Well, um, I mean, Sami Zayn is kind of like a brother to him. Wouldn't you say? Uh, uh, I, I guess that's. That's the closest you, you've got, so yeah. so there is that. Yeah, I thought these were amusing. You know, Owens, I think, plays like a really good, just, I mean, entertainer, um, doing a really silly but, like, fun, I would say, story. And I've been enjoying this Ezekiel-Elias deal. Like, I think Ezekiel is a great entertainer. I thought Ezekiel was kind of amusing in, in this segment. I have mm-hmm. not been the biggest uh, fan of this this character, but I will say he, he was kind of entertaining playing off of uh, Owens in this segment. Becky and Asuka are in the back with Adam Pierce, And so Asuka has to beat Bianca Belair tonight to receive a title shot. That's how Adam Pierce describes this. And Becky, speaking on behalf of everyone, said that makes no sense at all. And it kind of doesn't when you, when you think about how like championships work. It's like you're, you're going to beat the champion in a match scenario. It's like, and then you have to beat them in a real match afterwards. Oh, I hate it. Like, yeah, no, like in no other sporting event. I mean, I, I suppose like... No, it just doesn't happen. Like, it does not like happen. What's, what's the difference between beating someone? In, like, the rules aren't different. This isn't like an amateur fight. It's not like the rounds are shorter. It's not like there's any difference in the rule set. You're beating them in the exact environment, but you have to do it twice, basically. I, I mean, it does happen, like, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like, you know, like, you, you beat the champion in the G1, you, then you get a title shot. That does happen. But that's the G1, okay? <laughs> like, in a, a match on Raw. Like, the problem is they just do this way too much. So that by the time you get to the actual match, it doesn't feel special anymore. So many matches, I think, like, you you want... It, it's also indicative, indicative of, like, how weak the overall divisions are. And, and the lack of, I think, framework they had to establish, like, who a number one contender might be. This, this women's division between the two brands, this should not be a weak division. It should not. Yeah, no, no. But, but you know, they also like to feature um, their biggest talent in, in non-title matches. And this is what you get. So she says that she handed the title to Asuka and Asuka yells that she did not need Becky. And when you gave me that title, you were supposed to go home to have your baby. But you don't act like a mother. You act like a baby. And Becky stormed off like a baby. I, I mean, the Asuka's lines were pretty ridiculous, but I thought her delivery was so entertaining. And I thought Becky was very good here as well. I I. I thought they had like a fun uh, interaction here um, mm-hmm. and Becky just storming off at the end of it. Vera Mahan versus Hartford's own Frank Loman. <laughs> Frank. That's a, name. That's a great name for Frank Loman. Loman <laughs> on the totem pole uh, was interviewed by Byron Saxton. <laughs> he asks him, do you have any concerns? <laughs> he says, yes, I do. <laughs> I don't want to be carted out of here. 
but I have a wife and three. <laughs> I have three little triplets at home, which would technically be nine babies that he has at home. Did he say three little triplets? He, I have, he, just he triplet. says I have three little triplets. <laughs> wow. Not, I mean, That's they, a lot of babies to take care of. You're out here wrestling. Dude, this is not the pathway. Trust me. This is his big chance. Well, he got killed. Uh, he got in. A, he landed a boot and then was hit with a Thez press, side slam, avalanche, million-dollar arm, and cervical clutch. The crowd was chanting something here. They were not chanting Loman, and he was submitted in a minute 23. Might have been something Hartford-specific. Yeah, I, I couldn't make it out what was being chanted, but they uh, yeah. they were keeping themselves entertained. Yeah, yeah, I laying the groundwork for Mahan. I'm always entertained by these promos. Kevin Patrick interviewed Cody Rhodes. He says the chapter with Seth Rollins is closed. It's not, and that theory is brimming with potential, but potential is like gold. You need to dig to find it, and he's going to win the United States title. He's not. Theory versus Cody Rhodes at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. At the beginning of the match, Theory was doing the Stardust mannerisms to get under his skin and then catches Cody with an elbow to the eye. And Cody was selling for some time. Theory pulls his leg out on the edge of the apron and then clears the announcer's desk. But then Cody is the one to try and get him onto the desk. Theory escapes getting into the ring. That was our setup for the commercial. Uh, Cody hit a moonsault off the top, nearly took his head off and got a two count. And then a disaster kick. Cody cutter. Crowd is picking up. So what do you do? Seth runs in and attacks him for the DQ at 13 minutes and eight seconds. Pulled right out from underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The heat. Oh, the heat. So much was, heat. Oh, I was so mad. I was like, oh, I'm going to watch next week to see what happens to this guy. Yeah, here's my money. Yeah. And then Rollins just uh, beat the hell out of him. He hit a curb stomp on the desk. And this was so violent that Corey Graves says, I have defended Seth in the past, but this was too far. He crossed the line. And everyone knows the the unspoken rule about curb stomping a man's head on the desk. You just don't do that kind of thing. Or anything on the desk, for that matter. Yeah. You know, it's, it hurts that much more. Yeah. Hey, really good match, I thought, between the two up until this point. You know, Cody's in-ring style, I think, continues to be really fresh in the context of, you know, like, we've seen so much of this roster already, it feels like. And Cody being coming out here, like, his selling is really solid. And everything he does, I think, is really solid. So... I enjoyed the match for the time that we had. Sasha Banks and Naomi took on Nikki Ash and Dewdrop. So here, here was your question, Wave. Like, where, where's this going to go? Well, they're going to get a non-title match week one. You just form a team and you get tons of opportunities. So Naomi's arm is taped up from the attack by Shayna Baszler on Friday. And Dewdrop hits a seated splash. But then Naomi with the step up in Zaguri and drives her into the buckle. Sasha is in and she is caught going for a high cross with Dewdrop catching her. Then Nikki comes in, snaps Banks' uh, neck and then goes for the swinging neck breaker. But before, poses to the crowd. And this does not make Dewdrop happy. And this allows Banks to escape, tags Naomi, and they hit their finisher, the rolling code breaker, to pin Nikki and. 424 and Dewdrop is pissed, telling Nikki to get your head in the game and start taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is like already leading to a breakup or if this is supposed to be the start. No, wait, no, no one gets along in this company. Sasha Banks and Naomi are like the unicorn of a tag team that they actually like each other. It's it's very rare in this company that two partners get together and you're not just wondering why are they doing this? They don't like each other. Could Dewdrop not do better than Nikki Ash? She doesn't want to team with her. She's like the weak link. 
It's yeah. we're right back to where we started. I mean, uh, Nikki did want, like, agreed to to you know take things seriously last week. So, but she didn't hear. She didn't. So I guess that's the story. So so this is probably just the start of the the team and how Dewdrop is going to have to continue to train Nikki to take things more seriously. Maybe eventually shedding that superhero gimmick and then uh, maybe being some real contenders. I certainly hope so because I mean the division, uh, of course, sorely needs more tag teams um, and. I'm looking for more story and build for both Nikki and Dewdrop. So you start off challenging the champions. I mean, that's how every great story begins, right? Only one place to go from there. So Ash Drop, 0-1 after one week. Ash Drop, wow. Hmm. Then uh, Moost took on Ciampa with The Miz appointed as the referee, which he explained. Uh, Theory got Vince McMahon to appoint him as the referee so that we would have someone call it down the middle tonight so we got one of my favorites way where we got the heel referee that uh counts slow for the baby face and counts fast for the heel so miz is uh, stopping ali from attacking chomp in the corner goes for a jackknife cover and miz is doing the slow count chomp hits him with a knee strike and then a big lariat on the floor and then i don't know what this said but Ciampa goes to sit on the announcer's desk and do his like you know the the tough timmy pat on the back spot And not only do, is there no acknowledgement of this, but as he does it, they go to the picture-in-picture picture replay, and no one reacts to this thing. Um, that it just felt like he was trying to shoehorn into this match. It's his wink to the audience that he that carried over from NXT. But like Vince probably has no idea what the hell that is. You What's know? he doing? Did he did he hurt his back? <laughs> What's wrong? <laughs> does he have like a scratch or something? Did he get a bug? <laughs> What's on his back? <laughs> Be careful. We're gonna we're gonna cut down his last name too. He's just gonna be Pa. <laughs> so, <laughs> used a bulldog choke. Ali comes back. It was like th- this match, like if you watch it on mute, it's fine, but this crowd was so out of it. Like they were not into this until Ali finally got in some offense towards the end. Uh but then he hits this big springboard tornado DDT and Miz is so slow to count. Ciampa kicks out. Ali complains and he is hit with an inverted DDT by turning his back on Ciampa. And there's the fast count at 536. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, to me, it's like another sports entertainment trope. You you just have a, a referee who, you know, does your fast counts and slow counts and whatever. Um, it's just another page out of their playbook. And I think... For me, the bigger story is um, it gave us an indication, or me an indication at least, of how they view Tommaso Ciampa. We were wondering, oh, okay, is he building up his own feud against Ali? I think this told you that he really is just an accessory to this Miz versus Ali feud. And that, if anything, he's probably just kind of like, almost like a hired hand by the Miz. And in this match, um, I thought it made him look really weak to be taking some of these pinfalls lasting, what, like five seconds you know, seven seconds and needing the Miz to fast count to help him win. So that all that said, like, it doesn't matter to them. You know, the focus here is the Miz versus Ali. Um, it's just that, you know, as a Tommaso Ciampa fan, I'm I'm a bit more kind of invested in, in seeing his growth. And I don't know. I don't know if I'm that confident about um, much beyond all this. It's, a, it's I, a I'm not I'm not confident in Ciampa or Ali in these positions. I just see both kind of just whittling away in, in this role that it's it's like there, there's no meat to this it just feels like this is something that it's not going anywhere so i'm not really invested in it is this ultimately going to help ali I, uh, jury's still out yeah. that might be the idea but that's not been the result to me uh mm. several weeks in 
And then we had the the Lacey Evans. Uh, w- was this verbatim the same segment from Friday? This seemed to me like a like almost like a condensed version of, of all like of them. Several, mm-hmm. yeah, I believe okay. so. It might have been a brand new promo for all I know. But like it, it, the story is essentially like I think everything that she's been saying condensed into this one segment. Yeah, yeah it was kind of like an overview of all of them and. What was kind of odd was that they, they go to the announcers after and Corey Graves has to react to this. And he's just saying that her story might be sensational, but it's all true. And it was like he said it kind of like half joking, like he, he and it was just like an odd reaction to like what's a pretty heavy story. And yeah, I, I, I don't know where this this is necessarily going, but that's where we're at now with the character where the. The stories are done, and now it's time for her to be on screen. I'm so incredibly confused about what they're trying to do with such incredibly serious stories that are coming out of this person's mouth. You know, in any other context, I mean, you would think that this person would be a babyface. But, like, there are two instances now of weird presentation following these heartfelt promos that are leading me to at least consider the idea that they might be turning her heel intentionally, which is insane to me. Um, like, but- like the way I took this line, it's like, I feel like it was a much like the Samantha Irvin introduction of Lacey on SmackDown. Like it was like this verbiage that was there for a reason. And Graves, like it was just an odd reaction to say it might sound sensational, like almost making like, this is such delicate material that you can't be, playing around with you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it's really going to offend a lot of people that um i really hope that they're not going about this to try and make this into some sort of you know taking some like real life trauma and and minimizing it to like as some kind of heel tactic or the announcers downplaying it i don't know it's it's just it's in an odd place given both of these reactions the way they've come out of them it is incredibly, like, yeah, completely odd. I have no idea how I'm supposed to feel about this. And the fact that they aired it on Raw, I guess she's not supposed to be either Raw or SmackDown, but these promos have been only been airing on SmackDown, have they not? Right? So this is the first time we're seeing this on Raw. So well, it might, mean? I mean, maybe it's it's just a case of, you know, wanting to, you know, I, I don't know. Like, maybe it's just a sign of... I, I don't know what you read from that. It is it on one of the strangest things that I've seen, um, at least the last few weeks. I mean, the first couple of weeks, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, she's going to tell her real life story. She's going to be a new baby face. But then it kept going on and going on and going on. And looking at some of the online reaction, they've turned the audience on her more than have uh, been with her. Not because of her story, of course, but like, but because of how hard they've been driving it. You know, how re- just kind of, um, you know, um, here, I'll, I'll just I'll just say it that it's if they are going in this direction where they are trying to make it seem like she is complaining about all of this, inst- even though it's true. I just think that's such a horrible way to present this, and that's kind of the sense I get by it being labeled sensational at the end, but it's all true. Like that's the conclusion you almost come to. It's it's that um, like she's being overly dramatic about her upbringing. Like that's the takeaway you get from this so what for what end goal would you say that for like what 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 am i like what do they want the viewer to think like if the if the idea is that 
you are supposed to be uh, having sympathy for this person and she wants you to feel sympathy for her. Like, is that Uh not what the line was coming out of the promo on Friday? Like she expects you. What was the line that Samantha Irvin? It was like Lacey has requested that you show your appreciation and give her applause, like something to that to that extent. Um, Very odd. I thought they were airing it this week as a way to fix what might have been um, like an error of speech on Friday, but instead, I, I, I just felt even more confused after this one. Yeah, I guess we will see. I mean, the proof will be in how this is presented. Uh, maybe we're off, but it's like both back to back on Friday and Monday. I think it definitely gives you pause of like what they are looking to achieve with this direction. Lashley does a promo and says that Omos only won at Backlash because of MVP, so he makes the challenge for a rematch with Omos inside of a steel cage, and Lashley says, we're taking this to the only place possible, and that is the home of Nate Milton in Norfolk, Virginia. Ooh, wow. Just, yeah, in Brother Nate's backyard. That's it. Um, I mean, I, th- I think Chris O'Malley really would have loved to have been there. Or would love to be there, you know, to see Omos, his favorite wrestler in the world, get this opportunity, a cage match. Yeah. Hey, I was a fan of the match on Sunday. I think they will do a good job in this cage. Maybe they'll do, uh, I feel like we're going to get something where like Omos like breaks through the cage or we're going to do something like that where the cage can't contain them. Maybe. Yeah. Our truth is with Dana Brooke and Tamina both want divorces, but they have convinced Reggie and Tozawa that they're going on a double date so that they'll show up as a ruse so that they can serve them with divorce papers. So they walk up with flowers. Tozawa runs away so he can't be served and truth chases after him. And Tamina leaves with Dana while Reggie is pleading for Dana not to divorce him after their three week marriage. I heard the chuckle. Does that mean you you approve? Of what? This segment. Oh, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I found it amusing that Tozawa ran away rather than being served. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you avoid the divorce. Yeah, you, you, you don't get the papers. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the story right now. So Tamina tells, tells Truth to chase after him so that he can make the, 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 uh, the divorce official. And I guess that's next week's vignettes, you know? Tr- uh, Truth is going to chase down Tozawa. To give him divorce papers. It's kind of like the exact same psychology of having the 24-7 title is mm-hmm. that you're constantly looking over your shoulder and they're trying to find you to serve you the papers instead of pin you. Totally, yeah. They they could do this for like, you know, the next set of releases. Just be like, hey, if I don't want Wait, they've the been doing call, this for three years. They could be yeah. doing this for, for multiple years. Oh, if I don't answer the phone, like JTG, if I don't answer the phone call, they can't release me. So it, here's right. like, here's a wrestler. Trying I wasn't to served. I'm still under contract yeah. to this uh, as an independent contractor. And then the main event, Becky Lynch is on commentary. It's Bianca Belair against Asuka in a non-title match to set up a title match if Asuka beats her in the non-title match. They mentioned that Belair five, five minutes left before the show. Do ten fifty five. This match starts. Uh, yeah. I was getting like uh, flashbacks to Nitro. 
So Asuka hits a sliding knee and Belair lifts her up. Asuka counters into an arm bar and then to a triangle and gets slammed. As Jimmy Smith notes, she rampaged her way out. And then as Belair goes for a handspring, Becky pops up from the from the desk and grabs her, leading to the disqualification in three minutes and two seconds as Belair gets thrown into the steps. And then she attacks Asuka as well to complete our three DQ evening. That's too, too many, okay? One, I will allow them. But like three on a show that had how many matches are we talking about? Six matches on the show? Five matches on the show? We No, no, no. We had uh, we had nine matches, Way, no, Are you seriously? Yeah. What were the nine? Okay, no, you're not the answer, but, but fine. Uh, three out of like a third DQs out of like, you know, nine matches. That to me is still not a great result. Um, I, I think it was overall like a standard raw. You had a very good opening match between RK bro and the street profits. Um, Alexa bliss coming back and, uh, some bits of good wrestling in Cody versus theory, but man, all the constant DQs just kind of leave a bit of a bad taste in your mouth. You know, if you're investing all that time. So what did you think, John? Um, I, I thought it was a pretty um, lackluster show overall. Um, I wasn't as into like the Cody Theory match as you were. I thought the I thought the best match on the show was the RK Bro match with the Street Profits. I like the idea of starting off the show with a wrestling match instead of our long drawn out segment. I like the fact that they just got to uh, a pretty hot match right right off the right out of the gate. Uh, Judgment Day. It's like I'm still not not really all bought into this, but. I do like the addition of Rhea Ripley, and it's a group that's still trying to find its footing. So I, th- I think you give some leniency there. And the rest of the directions on the show, um, I can't say like there's all that um, there's all that to really just sink your teeth into regarding a lot of the programs. It's almost as though we have a bunch of the programs that are just TV only, and then we have like our paper like last night. Uh, looking at tonight, nine matches. We had three people in matches that were on the pay-per-view last night. Like, it's just such a, um, a, a big kind of uh, difference between, between the two. Well, I mean, you know, the pay-per-views is where you go to see the stars. And TV is where you go to um, give people experience. I mean, or to build those stars, right? Well, Backlash was also one where they did hold quite a lot of people off. It's not like you had an Owens or a Becky Lynch or, you know, there were quite a lot of people that were not part of the show either. But it's just, you know, you watch all of those programs and then the the follow up. It's like there's like your own set of different ones going on on your television as well, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I'm just looking at the three hours and what are you really invested in uh, feud wise? I would say there's there's probably... um, I would say the Cody stuff is still the the main interest point for for Raw, uh, but at the same time, it's 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 also looking at you know once you get through this Seth Rollins feud of of where you're going there because I think he is still kind of your your glue on this show in in many ways as the main character. Yeah, you also have Alexa Bliss returning, um, so she'll be paired up maybe with Bianca, you know, soon enough. But she also seems to be a babyface right now, so maybe not. Uh, who are the heels that they have? Well, wait, give her, give her time, and then she'll have a reason to hate the fans, and then she'll tell them. Right. Okay. All, all of you sheep. Becky versus Asuka is a match that they seem to be building up to. 
probably for the pay-per-view. Yeah, I yeah, that's a, that's that's a good direction and maybe even a three-way program if if you're going to involve uh sorry, did you say Belair and Oscar or Belair and Becky? I said Be- Becky and Oscar. Oh, Becky and Oscar. Yeah. Uh so I guess you could insert Belair in in some form or fashion there or you could do Belair with Rhea Ripley. Um there's some interesting directions on the women's side. Uh, tonight's feedback, uh, we've got one here from Kate from Montreal on the forum, and she writes, if WWE can't figure out a way to properly finish matches between big stars, then they shouldn't be booking those matches. Knowing that both Cody and Theory and Bianca Oscar were headed to uh, DQville made the matches weaker, and for the latter, it felt like the audience was tuned out as well. On an unrelated note, Nick Gage posted a heartfelt video about addiction and depression for Mental Health Awareness Month. Talking about the importance of getting help and doing his part to end the stigma around those issues was really good to see. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, Kate. Kate had some really interesting things to say about the Lacey Evans segment on Friday, and we've uploaded that clip for uh, you guys to see. Uh, even if you're not a Post Wrestling Cafe patron, it's on the YouTube right now. Uh, so go and check that out. I mean, the the gist of her argument was that she felt, you know, um, it was really glaring in the WWE's presentation of this story dealing with mental health and not at least promoting um, Source, where people can find um, that help if they're looking. So um, I thought it was really interesting what she had to say. She was very passionate about it, and I encourage you guys to go check that out, as well as, um, you know, seeking out um, appropriate resources, uh, you know, if if these are stories that resonate to you, because I, I'm not, I, I'm so confused about what they're doing with this Lacey Evans story that I, I certainly don't think that you would even if you relate to it, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Like the stuff that they talk about, John is like directly. Um, You're talking about like suicide and addiction, which to me it's inside I, of a company that has not earned that, um, that sort of trust with its audience to go in a direction like that. And for fans to not kind of have their backup, because I will guarantee you a high percentage of their audience have dealt with it either directly or indirectly in their lives. These are very sensitive topics and maybe ones that, you know, you, you shouldn't be going towards on in, in a wrestling setting. And the fact that we're even entertaining the idea that they might be somehow using this as fuel to turn her heel, whether or not they're intentionally doing it, the fact that it's even under consideration and that we're even questioning, the fact that we're doing anything but cheering for this person for talking about stuff like this is crazy to me, is unfathomable unfathomable to me, and to me shows, I think, a real fumbling of the presentation of what, what, what we are seeing. So I still don't know what it is, and you know maybe we'll get a bit more clarity on Friday. Yeah. Um, uh, there's one one super chat for us to get to here, and this comes to us from David Rodriguez, who says, "Forget the Doctor Benedict flick. Let's talk about Avatar 2. Um, are you an Avatar fan, John? I never saw Avatar. I saw it, didn't like it. So that's my talk. Um, hope you enjoyed it. I did see the trailer. Did nothing for me. I'm really not at all excited for it. Um, it's it's just not my thing. But it is for many people. It's probably going to be one of the most successful movies of all time." Yeah. Was it a successful Miami Grand Prix? Um, did you watch it? Or I, I, I watched I watched uh, most of it today. Yeah. Um, I I think the consensus is that I mean, for the most part, it was a bit of a boring race with a really exciting start and then maybe an yes. exciting five to ten minute close. You, you take out those two passes by by Max Verstappen in like the first 
couple of laps. Um, the rest of it, I mean, it was like he starts in the third position and then he overtakes signs and then he overtakes Leclerc and gets uh, they were very those are the like the only exciting parts of, of this race. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, w- would you ever want to go? This is one sport that I would say is seems infinitely more interesting to watch on television than go in person. I had that thought myself watching it and the at home experience is so great because the technology that they use to cover the sport is so good. It's amazing. Like the in-car perspective, the, the commentary is pretty on point. The different the the chart, you know, like knowing who, who, what tires each person is on, how many spots they've moved up, you know, how long the pit stops are like, this is all information that I think is crucial to your enjoyment of this thing. But of course the atmosphere of being there is probably, you know, tough to replicate. Right. Yeah, but I think that they're also, and, and I mean, I, I'm totally speaking about this as someone that's just, you know, following this at a very small level, but it just, like, you can go to any, like, a basketball game, to a football game, it's like, you're you're going to be able to follow what what is happening. I can't imagine going to one of these and being on top and engaged without having my phone with me to be following, like, where each one is. I'm, I'm only going to get a certain view of the track and... To me, it it's, it seems like the hardest one to go for the like other than just being there and the spectacle of being with other race fans. Um, yeah. I just think you're you're losing a lot without the benefit of television. I mean, I've never been. I I would hope that they have screens or like you know at least like a stats board of like you know the leaders are at, at somewhere. Um, but I think it's again, it's probably more the atmosphere. Uh, as far as like pro- eighty two thousand people, so it's wow. uh, I mean en- enough people. I I mean that was. The attendance figure I read. So, I mean, like this was a monumental success for F1 over the weekend. And, and I think all eyes are going to be on Vegas for next year, which, you know, might be like another Monaco for them in terms of like grandeur and what it means, especially for the U.S. market. So Yeah. I, I got to say, I, I really enjoyed the, the early Sunday races a lot more. For my schedule, that's like so much easier because the middle of the day on a Sunday, it's just never going to happen. Ratings are be, will be really interesting. Oh, I'm so excited. It's going to be the lead story on our news tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. But yeah, like like F1 is especially curious because like the races start at all like times all over the place. And so Th- this it, is going to be through the roof, I, I imagine. But but I think it's it's a sport that's really unique because I think they condition their audience to, you know, find out for themselves and to seek and to potentially wake up at all different sorts of hours just to kind of catch these things live if you want to. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, so we got Monaco at the end of the month. That's the next one, I believe. Is that the next one? Is there no uh, other race? Oh, let me double check. Um, I think so. No, Spain. Spain is uh, the week Spain. prior. Yes. Right. Okay. So that's Spain and then Monaco and then Azerbaijan. Mm-hmm. And then they come to Canada way. Yeah, the the Gilles Villeneuve circuit. Yes. yes. Yeah, um yeah, we'll uh, we'll see if uh Mercedes can um, you know, fix their shit. Can they fix their shit? That'll that'll be the question that looms over over Spain. All right, that's going to wrap up the show, everybody. Thank you for tuning in and listening to uh, all of our thoughts on the, on the world at large. We are back on Tuesday, live, 1 p.m. Eastern time, here on the channel for the Post Daily News Show. Uh, you can always support Post Wrestling at postwrestlingcafe.com. A minimum of two bonus shows per week. You can't get enough, and we, we provide all of that and then some. And if you're a Cafe subscriber, you can download the review of Doctor Strange 2 immediately once you're done listening to this with the thoughts of W.H. Park, John Ceno, and Wei Ting going through the multiverse of madness. Was this a long movie? How long was this one? 
about two hours, a little, like five minutes, of, like really exactly two hours. Okay, that's 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 Doable? the sweet spot of a movie. It's like, I I didn't want to hear like Doctor Strange getting ambitious and like we we feel the need to go two forty five or something like that. That franchise has not earned that right, has it? You have to listen to find out. My oh, thoughts. not not giving away anything. That is it for us. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll speak with you on Tuesday.